How is everyone today? My hope is that you're well, and if you're not, I hope you get weller as the day goes on. Anyway, why don't we stand? Uh, We're down to the last couple of weeks in our series. Where do we go from here? We started this right after Easter, and uh, last week we uh, talked about Imagine, talked about the four faces of God. Um, we'll, we'll just touch on that again this morning, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about this whole issue of imagine this morning, and um, I want to go to the book of Joshua with us. So if uh, we're just going to read the first nine verses, so um, I'll start reading, and then I'll tell you when to join, okay? After the death of Moses, the servant of God, God spoke to Joshua, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Get going. Cross the Jordan River, you and all the people. Cross to the country I'm giving the people of Israel. I'm giving you every square inch of the land you set your foot on, just as I promised Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon east to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the Hittite country, and west to the great sea. It's all yours, all your life. No one will be able to hold out against you. In the same way I was with Moses, I will be with you. I won't give up on you. I won't leave you. Strength, courage. All right, let's all read now. You're going to lead this people to inherit the land that I promised to give their ancestors. Give it everything you have, heart and soul. Make sure you carry out the revelation that Moses commanded you, every bit of it. Don't get off track, either left or right, so as to make sure you get where you're going. And don't for a minute let this book of revelation out of mind. Ponder and meditate on it day and night, making sure you practice everything written in it. Then you'll get where you're going. Then you'll succeed. Haven't I commanded you? Strength, courage, don't be timid, don't get discouraged. God, your God, is with you every step you take. And we're going to stop there. You can keep reading when you go home. Anyway, isn't that, this is just one of my favorite, favorite portions of Scripture, the book of Joshua. So, Father, let this come alive to us in our hearts. Give us vision, we pray. Give us Uh, Give us an ability to see what is unseen. Give us eyes to see what uh, some of our tomorrows hold individually and corporately as families, as, as a people, as a community of faith. Those of us that are seeking you, I pray, God, that you'd help us in this morning, in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated. So I want to talk to you about taking hold of tomorrow. This is, the book of Joshua is just such a, there's so much in it, and it's just such a beautiful, um, beautiful picture of transition. It's a huge moment of transition, if you're unfamiliar, uh, for the Israelites. They've come to a place, they had spent 400 years under the captivity, uh, slavery essentially, of Egypt. Moses is brought up as a leader, a deliverer. He leads the people out of Egypt. And then for 40 years, 
They begin this journey in the wilderness, 40 years traveling and going kind of around in circles. And then Joshua uh, becomes Moses' right-hand person. He is the person that is there, that is being mentored by Moses. He sees Moses' good days. He sees Moses' bad days. He certainly sees Moses' incredible relationship with God. He sees moments that some of us could only dream of, probably all of us could only dream of. And it's into this moment that Moses dies. As we start pick up the, the book of Joshua chapter 1, Moses is now dead. Most versions, that's simply what it says. Moses is dead. And Joshua is given the responsibility to move from being chief assistant, right-hand person, the person that has had the responsibility to be total support for decades now, started out as a very young man, now is more mature in his life, certainly, has experienced a ton already, and it's his moment to step into the role and take over to do and accomplish what Moses was unable to accomplish, and it just wasn't God's plan that Moses would do this. It is Joshua's responsibility to move these people into tomorrow, to move them into a promised land that they had seen from a distance but could never enter in, and now we come to this powerful, powerful place. And it's Joshua's job to help them take hold of tomorrow. I want you to imagine... If you could, imagine God's desire for your life in your tomorrows. Just try to take a moment just to think, what might God have for you? The truth about it is we can get maybe a slight picture, but we really don't have a clear picture. And it's into that that God begins to speak three times in the book of Joshua, just in the first chapter. He tells Joshua to be strong and courageous to be very courageous. He continuously tells him, do not fear. I am with you. We're going to make this journey. I will make sure that it happens. And I would say in the same way that God speaks to each one of us and says, I'm with you. With my help, I will get you into your tomorrow. It's interesting because for a good leader, for Joshua to be the kind of leader and for any of us to be the kind of people that step fully into tomorrow well and into the dream that God has for our life, first of all, it takes an adaptability that maybe none of us have fully wrapped our arms around in a way that we're being invited to even on this day. So Joshua here is being called into something that he has not seen. Now, he's been in the promised land, and the, the, the earlier scriptures were told that Joshua was part of a spy team that went in earlier, but he has not seen, he's not been able to really pay close attention to about what they're about to experience, and so it is with us. It reminds me of those of us that are married. You remember, you remember the ceremony, you stand there with this person you love, and then the, the minister, perhaps, if you got married in a church... The minister starts to go through these things and you're really not listening, you're just like gazing into this person's eyes and, you know, do you take this person as your husband or your wife? And they start going through this stuff and then they get to this one piece for richer, or for poorer, for better or worse. 
till death do you part, you know, sickness and health, like starts to say these things that are really pretty monumental, right? And you're not thinking at all, gosh, maybe I need to adapt to what might be coming down the pike. What does my tomorrow possibly hold in this marriage? You're just looking in the eyes of this person you love. It's like, I do, you know? And you just all smiles. You're just totally oblivious to the fact that tomorrow is about to come on and it might be decades of adaptability. But it's when we can move into the future with God's help, being adaptable people, that we get the preferred future God has for us. The first thing that we see with Joshua that he does in taking hold of tomorrow is that he takes hold and is encouraged to take hold of God's promises. God encourages Joshua time and time again, and the encouragement implied to all of us is to take hold of the promises of God for our life. God has promises for you. God has promises corporately for all of us. God has promises for humanity, promises that he's made. And then there are those unique promises that he makes to each one of us. It is what I like to think of as the power of expectation. See, Joshua, years earlier, did go into the promised land as a part of a 12-member spy team. And it was Joshua and Caleb in seeing what was in the promised land, the fruitfulness of what was there, that said, surely we should go in. When the 12 came back, 10 of the spies, because Moses sent them in to scout things out, 10 of the spies came back and said, the people there are too big. They're giants. They're intimidating. There's no way. We're just like, it's, it's just going to be mass suicide. And then there's these two guys, Joshua and Caleb, and they come back and say, surely we should go in. Yes, the people, the giants are there. The people are huge. It's an intimidating group, but God is so much bigger. And didn't God tell us that this was ours? Joshua never forgot that. The promise of God, Joshua's expectation continues to remain with the promises of God years later. Maybe in your life there were promises that you sensed, expectations that you had when you were earlier in your life that you feel like maybe it just was maybe improper, the things that you hoped for and dreamed for. I would submit to you that possibly God's never given up on those things that he's promised you. The one that promises, the scripture says, is faithful God's promises are yes and amen in your life. When God makes a promise to you, that promise will come to pass. And Joshua holds to that promise. And now he's in this moment where his expectation is about to come to pass. And he'll be leading the people in. What a moment this must have been for him. Joshua 1, 3, it says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. It's interesting in the promise there that God makes to not only Joshua, not only to the Israelites, but also to us, the places that our feet tread upon, there's kind of a dual piece to it. There's the promise of God, but the promise of God implied here has to be walked into. You have to step into promise. There are promises that are made to us that we can't just sit back and sit idly by. There are things that God does, he promises and delivers, but then there are those promises like this promise. You're going to need to enter into your promise. There's a participation that's required. Last week, we and if you didn't uh, listen to last week's talk and time that we had together, I'd encourage you, we talked about 
in the book of Ezekiel, God, and in the book of Revelation, that God is described with the face of a lion and the face of an ox and the face of an eagle and also the face of a human. And we described those different pieces last week. But we talked at the end, we talked about having the face of a human, that we are created in God's image. And one of the uh, likenesses that God calls us to is to live into our humanity, to live as people that are compassionate and loving. And we shared with you guys about um, Carlo, Pastor Carlo in Haiti. And we just talked about how they're struggling. And, and we actually went through how can we respond in our humanity compassionately and lovingly to what's going on. We talked about one of the pastors, Pastor Aiden and Manis, uh, that Aiden has actually been living on the street because they were evicted unjustly from their home that they were paying for, that they were renting, and that the desire is to purchase a home for Aiden and Manis and their three beautiful children. And there's just so much around that. We talked about that. And I, again, I'd, I'd encourage you to go back and check it out. And then we talked about how the truck that we sent down there years ago just is not running anymore. And that we think the engine might be blown. And anyway, got into all of that. And these are significant pieces along with a lot of other stuff that we didn't cover. But we received an offering at the end. And it was interesting because I had somebody this week say to me that is unrelated to the church. I said, are you dumb enough? to receive an offering, laughing, you know. Are you dumb enough to receive an offering on Memorial Day? And I laughed and said, I can't think of a better moment, you know, because the understanding for those in church world is Memorial Day is like the day everybody just, ex talk about the exodus. It's like you can bet on the crowd, but God is beyond numbers, isn't he? God is beyond what our, what our, uh, what our, our knowledge is. God goes beyond that. God begins to move in our imagination. Carlo had spoken to me about this a couple months ago, that this was starting to occur, trouble in my ear, different things going on. So anyway, we have been giving some, uh, sending extra money for different things this year, but we said, this is the moment. Claire and I had a conversation. We said, we need to receive a second offering. And the crowd was really small last week. The attendance last week was small. Anyway, we received an offering, but I remember having this conversation with Carlo, and I got to the end of the conversation. There's been other times where we just said, you know what, we're just going to pay this bill, and the leading, the expectation was that we were going to get to experience a miracle together, that we needed to have that expectation. I prayed with Carlo a couple of days. It was like last Thursday, not, not this past Thursday, but Thursday before Memorial Day, and I said, Carlo... Um, this is one of those moments, and we've seen it happen before, where we need to believe for a miracle. We just need to believe for a miracle. So we prayed, and I said, that's, that's really what we need. So we prayed, we received the offering. You guys were just so responsive to God and God's presence. That is, that's a great offering. Yeah. Now, more importantly, that's, that's an awesome offering. But more importantly is this. I'm here to report taking hold of the promises of God, that God has made promises to provide for us, to provide for Carlo, to provide for Aiden and Manis, 
to provide for all of those people that depend on that truck to bring things like rice to their village, water. So Aiden and Manise, I'm grateful to report, we're in the process of purchasing, we're negotiating purchasing a home for them. Of course, the home prices in Haiti are a little bit different than they are here, right? But we will, we will have plenty of money to complete the purchase so they won't ever be evicted again for Manise and Aiden. They are actually in the home that we're negotiating to purchase. They're in that home already. So they're, they're back together. Aiden is off the street. And the truck is, uh, we have found a, a, a dealership, actually. One of the blessings after the earthquake was there was some development. There was so much, there was so much heavy equipment and things like that needed in country that there were outside uh, businesses from other countries that actually kind of plopped down. And we found a dealership there that we really believe can do the work because we don't want to just kind of patch the truck together. We want to get that truck back up to the way it was when we sent it down there. And we're trusting that we have more than enough to do that. And if there's any extra money out of that, we're going to work on some other things, some of the other needs that are there. But how about you? See, Joshua brings these people to a place where they have to move out of a wilderness desert mindset into a mindset of expectation. See, wilderness and desert mindset is full of grumbling and negativity. But a mindset that moves into the promises of God is full of gratitude and expectation. Of course we need God to do something beyond us. Of course this seems like it's insurmountable. Of course you have things in your life that you need God to move into those spaces. How's your expectation? How is your mindset? Is it a mindset that is taking hold of God's promises on this day? Because that's the invitation here. So Joshua moves on and he takes hold of patterns It's interesting, isn't it, that God has to tell Joshua that Moses is dead? Don't you think that Joshua, of all people, maybe Moses' wife knows this better than Joshua, but Joshua is pretty keen, I think, on the fact that the person that he has been mentored by and and grown up through and cared for, this tremendous, powerful father figure, spiritual leader in his life, someone who has sought God and he's paid such close attention to, Moses is dead. God isn't saying that to Joshua to punish him or to ridicule him. He's saying, this is your moment. The buck now will stop with you. It's time for you to step up and it's God's endorsement on Joshua's life. You have watched the pattern You have watched the way Moses has sought after me, and now it's your moment to seek after me in this role. It's God's way of saying, Joshua, you can handle this. It's God's way of saying to you, you can handle that. See, it's interesting. I always pay attention. Some of you, I don't know, some of you might have a problem when you get on the plane. But I think it's always God, I think the reason that God continuously tells Joshua Be strong and courageous. Fear not. He keeps reminding them, fear not. Moses is dead. It's okay. I'm with you. Be strong and courageous. He keeps reminding them because 
God has this clear understanding that when it comes to leaders, leaders wear what's going on, they embody what's going on if they're leading in a healthy way or in an unhealthy way. God knows God can handle it. We know that God can handle it. God has proven himself, has shown himself through Moses' life time and time again that he is able to go in the most difficult of moments. And Joshua's watched it. Joshua's watched things like bitter waters made drinkable or manna and quail provided from heaven or a bronze snake on a pole for healing for the people that would look upon it or Red Sea parting or water from a rock, pillar of cloud by day, fire by night. God leads them. Joshua's seen the miracles. He saw them in the midst of the exodus and Pharaoh finally gets to the place where he gives in to the miraculous power of God. He had heard the stories from Moses about the burning bush. He had been there when Moses talked to them all about the Ten Commandments and God provided his commandments and his his kind of structure to move them forward as a people in goodness. God can handle this. But Joshua, you need to handle this. If you're ever on an airplane, if you don't like flying, um, some people, I, I, interest, I, I've never really been bothered so much by flying, but I like to watch people. And it's interesting, isn't it? Like when, uh, when a little bit of turbulence comes along, how some people start to freak out. You're like, you see them begin to clutch the person next to them or different things start to manifest. The barf bags might come out, whatever it is. One of the things that I realized early on in flying is don't really pay attention to the people barfing around you. Pay attention if the pilot comes out of the cockpit barfing, then you've got a problem. That's a problem. So everybody say, that's a problem. It's a problem, I suppose, for the person barfing. But as far as all of us are concerned, pay attention to the pilot. And God is giving him his pep talk. You can do this thing. See, God shows up in storms and Joshua knows it. God shows up in chaos and Joshua knows it. God's reminding him that I, God says, I show up in lack. I show up in pain. I show up in impossible situations. I love the story uh, about Bet Graham. Bet Graham was a person that invented whiteout. She went in for a job interview as an executive secretary. Some of you are like this, like you apply for jobs that you just are not even qualified for. She was really charismatic. Sure enough, she got the job, was not a good typer at all. Back in the days, decades ago, where that's what you did, you typed. So all day long, she would type out these documents as an executive secretary at the bank she was working at in Texas, and then she would go home at night, and she would try to fix all of her mistakes, and it was in that, in her kitchen, actually, she figured out how to make whiteout. She started to white out things and correct all the papers. She'd go back in the next day and hand the papers in. It was in the midst of her chaos and her desperate need to keep her job, her concern about her job, that she finds this method, that God meets her in that place of difficulty. The company, uh, she, she, she initially called it not white out, she called it mistake out. And then two years later, 1958, she started making this stuff in her garage, started a company. It was called mistake out. In other words, she's relying totally on the, the mistakes 
creating this space for her, the chaos. Some of us would have just said, this is it. I just need to eat crow and lose my job here. But she opened herself up to the possibilities and God moved powerfully in her life. It's interesting because ultimately she gets fired from her job after she's created a mistake out. She gets fired for her job for not waiting out something that she did. That's how she lost her job. She would sell the company eventually to Gillette for $47 million. God's got this. There is a creativity in you. There is something in you that you can't even imagine. Even in some of the mistakes you make and the, the things that we do where we're just launching out, God is with you. Which leads to, to take hold of tomorrow, you take hold of pattern or partnership. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, the power of multiplication, the synergistic effect of being connected to God and other people. So one could, the scripture says, one could put a thousand to flight, two could put ten thousand to flight, three could cause a legion to flee. We talked a couple of weeks ago about how God places seed in everything that he wants to reproduce. God invites Joshua into partnership. He invites the Israelites into partnership. The power of multiplication. God invites you and I into partnership. The ability to create what we could never create on our own, a partnership with God. God places seed in the things he desires to reproduce. He tells Joshua, go take possession of the land. See, life is about to shift for them. No longer will it be a manna season. No longer will it be a season. God is saying, you're not going to just move into this promised land and have fruit fall in your lap. When you take hold of partnership, when you begin to possess the land, it's a lot different than being in the wilderness and in the desert. When you partner with God, God's inviting you and I to own it, not just to rent it. God's inviting us to possess it. That's what he says, not just to move temporarily in it. When you take possession, it's a picture of thriving. When you take when, you, when you're just trying to move through the desert, you're just trying to survive. Partnership speaks of planting. They're invited to plant and harvest crops and seed time and harvest away from their wandering in the desert. When you possess something, when you're possessing the land, you're building and you're paying attention to the long-term effects. When you're just kind of renting something or coming temporarily in or out, if you're in the desert, you're just kind of trying to patch things up or maintain them to try to keep yourself fairly comfortable. The perspective of possession is some, the perspective of possessing something is much different than the perspective of temporary occupancy. The, the invitation for partnership, the invitation for possession here is God's invitation for all of us to take hold of our tomorrow to be the kind of people that are constantly seeding, 
the things that we want to see reproduced and God wants to see reproduced in our lives? What are you seeding in your life? And is it the kind of harvest that you want in your future? See, what Joshua is now being called into and the people of Israel are now being called into is transgenerational thinking. Which is a lot different than single generational thinking. This is one of the values here at Crossroads. That we would be the kind of people that see beyond our own time here. What God's calling Joshua and the people and us into is a creation of an inheritance. Is the life that you and I are living the kind of life that is creating the kind of inheritance Not only for us, not only for our children, but the kind of inheritance we want to leave behind. Or is it hand to mouth? Is the kind of life, the possessing life, this partnership life, a life that is creating wealth? It's a wealth creation life. It's a planting seed so that there's a reproduction. Or is it single generational wealth? In other words, do we just eat our seed? The scripture says that God gives us seed for the sower and bread for the eater. You can have both or you can have one. When you pay attention to partnership with God, the power of multiplication, the power of possessing the land, you realize that your responsibility is not to eat all the seed you're given. You'll get bread. It'll work out. Single generational wealth is one of the clearest definitions of poverty I've ever heard. That's what poverty is. You live in a place where all that you get, you eat because you're just trying to survive. The invitation here from God goes way beyond that. God says, I'll provide enough for you to eat, but I want you to make sure that there's something there to sow. So the question is, what are you planting for your future? What will live beyond you? That was the invitation. That was the reality of the promised land. They could have kept traveling in the desert and the wilderness infinitum. God could have kept giving them manna forever. Could have kept feeding them quail whenever they needed some protein. But because we are in God's, created in God's image and likeness, we're called to possess, partner, enter, and create. And we do that by planting seeds. How are you planting seeds? Seeds primarily show up in the life of a human in time, talent, treasure. If you were to examine on this day how you're doing, how is that looking? What seeds are you planting for tomorrow? How does that feel? I loved the way everybody responded last week. Such a beautiful picture of planting seeds that are bringing a harvest almost immediately to a bunch of people that most of us will never even meet. That's seed planting, gang.
You could plant your seeds in cars and clothes and jewelry or whatever you want to do, but that stuff doesn't reproduce. I think most importantly for me and for Claire, we had this conversation this week, is how are we planting seeds in the lives of the people that we desire to come to Christ? I don't want to just accidentally have seeds go into the lives of the people that I care about, that I feel like are away from God. I want to make sure that we're, we're intentionally planting seeds that can bring a harvest. Somebody planted seeds in my life that I am still benefiting from. So as we stand I want to just leave us with that question today as we take hold of our tomorrow. Is I want you to consider, even on this day and into this week, what seeds are you planting for your future? And is it the kind of planting that you want planted? Or is there some redistribution that needs to happen in your life? So maybe we can leave with, here's my heart, Lord. Um, So let's just pray for a moment. There may be one thing that God spoke to you today or something very definite. I want to make space for that to just say, God, um, we're so grateful that we have somewhere to go from here. That... You've deposited something in us so that we can plant seeds in other places. And all the places the people in this room are going to go this week are full of people that are in your heart and in your mind. And whether it is time or talent or treasure, you've given us seeds to sow. Thank you so much for the ability to have helped Haiti and um, and continue helping Haiti all these years. And the miracle for um, pastors Manis and Aiden, um, thank you for that. Thank you for people who cared that a family um, that is taking care of a very large congregation uh, actually have a place to put their head at night. Yes. Thank you, God, that um, we're not just eating our seed, but we're in a we're in a faith community that um, knows that it's important to get the chickens and the rice and the beans to our schools to feed the kids at lunchtime, and um, and that these families count on that. Even the stories we've we've experienced when we've been there, knowing that little kids are putting drumsticks, chicken drumsticks in their pocket to take home to their families that night so that they can share with their families what they're getting at school. And we, we are so blessed to be in a faith community that sees beyond our nose and our own comfort. I'm so grateful for the generosity of your people. So grateful that the children in Haiti can count on us and pastors in Haiti 
can count on us. And God, there's people living next door to us that they may not need chicken, but they they have deep needs in their lives, and we have the ability to share the gospel with them and to plant a seed. And we're the ones who are here right now for the people that you've given us in our lives. So, God, we let the people come into our minds right now that you're asking us to be strong and courageous and to share with them what we have, whether it's time or talent or treasures. We want to be a Joshua generation that doesn't rely on just what's been done for us, but that we're actually putting our feet places that are making an eternal difference. That we're not just thinking about our own bellies, our own appetite, our own needs, um, our own comfort. So grateful that you say we can be strong and courageous that you're with us. Thank you, God. That you're with us. You are with us. And so I'm just going to ask you, friends, to uh, let come into your mind people that need what you have whether it's your time, your talent, or your treasure. Just let their faces come up fully in your mind and say to God, I, I want to be strong and courageous and bring what I have to the people you are asking me to bring it to.
blessing my friends and I'm blessing every step they take, that they would be strong and very courageous. And that, God, you give them every place where their foot goes. As you were with Moses, so you are with us. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. God bless you guys.